Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with this Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. You know, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about Jesus' teaching, preaching, and healing. He's traveling all throughout Galilee to 240 towns and villages, teaching, preaching, and healing. We left off last time with the parable of the prodigal son, someone I know quite well, as I bet you do too when you look in the mirror. But today, I'd like to turn to another story, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And let me read, beginning in Luke 16, at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. He lived flamboyantly. And I like to think of this rich man as Liberace, with a big grand piano and a candelabra on it, and costumes and rich food, and just living the life. Well, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So this poor man would sit out in front of the rich man's house, dogs licking his sores, begging for a scrap of food. And finally the man died, and I'll bet Lazarus paid no attention, didn't even know it. But the time came, and angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's side. Then the rich man also died, and he was buried. I bet they buried him in a golden casket. But in hell, where he was tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received many good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And then the rich man answered, Oh, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I, I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this horrible place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They have the scriptures. They can listen to the scriptures. No, no, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, then they'll repent. And he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Well, a couple of things to point out in this story. The rich man and Lazarus. When we die 
and our eternal destination is determined, that's it. We're either in the good place or the bad place. And there's no movement from one to the other. None whatsoever. And I think it's rather interesting, in this story at least, that part of the the joy of heaven is watching the suffering of those in hell. <laughs> it's like a front row seat to Dante's Inferno. Well, we could explore that at a later time. But this story, I think, makes a very important point. We have the scriptures. We have the word of God. And if you don't believe that, it won't matter if someone rises from the dead. No one will believe him. Well, Jesus rose from the dead, and there are countless people today who simply do not believe it. You know, we started our churches in San Diego here, opened this Sunday, yesterday, back at Mass and at church for the first time uh, since this COVID-19 thing began. But there weren't many people there. I think some people were afraid to come. But even so, on an ordinary Sunday before all of this happened, there were far more people out in La Jolla uh, walking about and going to the beach and going to restaurants than there were in church. They simply don't believe it and don't care. So there's a good point made here. Even if someone came back from the dead, it wouldn't be enough. Well, someone else did come back from the dead as well. Ironically, another man named Lazarus. I turn over now to John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus lay sick, was the very same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this is not the sinful woman uh, at the home of Simon the Pharisee. This is Mary of Bethany who, listening to Jesus, poured oil on his feet and hair. Different person entirely. But this Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, they were close friends of Jesus. Now, she was the very one who wiped uh, this Mary, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, we learned in the previous chapter, chapter 10, that Jesus had gone down to Jericho across the Jordan River to Bethany on the other side. When you walk from Jericho up to Jerusalem on the old 17.3-mile Roman road, from 900 feet below sea level to 2,500 feet above sea level, right before you get to the top, of the road, about a quarter of a mile from the top, is the little town or village of Bethany. That's the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I think I've noted in other podcasts that when Jesus and his apostles and disciples would come to Jerusalem, Jesus and his inner circle would stay at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In fact, we have a, a good scene of a dinner party that goes on there. That's the party at which Mary anoints Jesus' feet. But that Bethany, up top of the road, back down on the bottom at Jericho, across the Jordan River on the east side, 
is Bethany on the other side. So we have two of them, one at the bottom, one at the top. So the sister sent word to Jesus down at Bethany on the other side, opposite Jericho, and said, the one you love is sick. Now notice, they sent word. So a messenger went from Bethany at the top of the Mount of Olives, 17 miles down to Jericho, across the Jordan River, to tell Jesus. That would be a one-day journey. Keep that in mind. Now, when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They were very close friends of Jesus. And yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was at Bethany on the other side, opposite Jericho, for two more days. So one day, it takes the messenger to get there, Jesus stays in Bethany on the other side for two more days. That's three days in total. Then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, just a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And you want to go back? Are you nuts? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him. Well, the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. Well, of course, falling asleep is a euphemism for dying. I had my dog put to sleep. No, you didn't. You killed your dog. It's a euphemism, a kinder way of saying he's dead. Jesus, of course, had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And then he told them plainly, Look, guys, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. We're going back up to Bethany. And then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, and I love this, let us also go that we may die with him. Well, that's said in a tone of exasperation. I remember back in my old Marine Corps days being in a real jam, and our platoon leader said, we're going back in. And all we could think of was, well, I guess we're all going to go die with him. Jesus is taking them back. Now, on his arrival, it took a day, another day, from Bethany on the other side to Bethany at the top of the Mount of Olives. That's day four. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus, uh, that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, get the importance of that. He's been in the tomb for four days. When Mary and Martha sent the messenger, Lazarus was still alive, but barely. One day journey down 
to Bethany on the other side. During that journey, Lazarus died. Jesus waits two days, then goes up on the fourth day, and Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus didn't wait two days so that Lazarus could die. He knew that Lazarus was already dead by the time the messenger got there to Bethany on the other side. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, actually about a quarter of a mile up to the Mount of Olives and down to Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them on the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha and Mary. Mary is the contemplative one, the quiet one, the spiritual one. Martha is the woman of action. She's the one who was making dinner for Jesus and the disciples and working, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha said, Lord, she's just sitting here. I need help in the kitchen. And Jesus, oh, in one of the bravest things he ever did, was say, Martha, Martha, I bet he just about got a pot upside the head. Well, Martha heard Jesus was coming, and she went out to meet him. So Jesus is coming up the road from Jericho. Martha leaves Bethany up on top and walks down a bit. And she said, arms folded in front of her, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's an accusation. And you know, I'll bet if Jesus had been staying with Mary and Martha and Lazarus during that time, he wouldn't have died. But the fact was, Jesus was down in Bethany on the other side, and he did. So Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, all right, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, Well, I know he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she looked at him, long hesitation. And she said in a low voice, almost a whisper, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she said this, she went back home to Bethany. And she called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went out the front door down the hill a bit to where Jesus still was. And Jesus had not yet entered the village of Bethany. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and ran out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn for Lazarus. 
And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Notice, Martha stood facing him, I think, with her hands folded, her arms folded across her chest. Mary got to where he was and fell to her knees. And she looked up at him, her eyes puffy from crying, tears streaming down her face. And she said in a, in a broken voice, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And notice, when Martha said in verse 21, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That was an accusatory tone. But Mary says it with a breaking heart. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply troubled in spirit. Our text reads, deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He was inside in his heart. There was great turbulence, great struggle. And he said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And at verse 35, the shortest verse in the entire Bible, Jesus wept. And that two-word verse carries more meaning than the longest verses anywhere in the Bible. Jesus wept. Not out of sadness for the death of Lazarus, but he saw Martha distraught and angry. He saw Mary heartbroken, sobbing. He saw their friends. He knew all these people. He stayed with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus every time he came to Jerusalem. These were all people who would come to the dinner parties. He loved these people. And he saw how broken they were at, at, at the death of Lazarus. And not just the death of Lazarus. You know, God created all that is in that marvelous opening chapters of Genesis. All of creation. And in the Garden of Eden, in, in Genesis chapter 2, it was good. There was no death. There was never to be death. We brought death into the world. And look how death has grown. The horrors of it. The murders, the wars, the all the rest. Death is the direct result of sin. And Jesus looked at these people that he loved so much. And he saw how broken they were, how heartbroken they were. And he saw that this is the result. This is what Satan did back there in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3. And Jesus wept tears of sadness for his friends, but tears of anger. The Jews said, see how he loved them. 
And some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus wept. Looking into the eyes of Mary of Bethany and Martha and her friends, realizing the reality of death and from whence it came. And Jesus was angry at the whole, at sin, at Satan, at the whole damn thing. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone across the entrance. Get that stone away. But Lord, said Martha, sister of the dead man. <laughs> Our translation reads, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. In the King James Version, it reads, but Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> I love that. I used to say that to my golden retriever, Dusty. I'd wrestle with him on the ground and, and bite on his neck, and I'd say, you stinketh. <laughs> well, they took away the stone. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing right here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. There was silence. And then a shuffling. Now, when Lazarus was placed in the tomb, in the burial customs of the day, he was meant to stay there for one year during a period of decomposition, and then his bones would be placed in an ossuary, a bone box, a limestone bone box, and placed in the family tomb along with the other relatives. As we saw with Jesus' death and burial, he would have been washed, anointed with aloe and myrrh, wrapped in linen until he looked like the Michelin man, and then periodically he'd be wrapped some more and anointed some more across that one-year period. So Lazarus is bound up tightly like a mummy. And can you just imagine him hopping out, his feet scuffing on the floor of the cave? It's very bright outside, very dark inside. They can't see in. But then he appears. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, exactly the way Jesus would put in the tomb. And Jesus said, get that stuff off of him. And they did. Now, you have to wonder, Whatever happened to Lazarus afterward? Did he die again? Well, presumably. I, I, I like to imagine sometimes that no, he's still walking around. And wouldn't that make a great novel? But what happened? Well, apparently he did die again. And uh, only about three months ago, 
I had a, I was leading a private family tour to the Holy Land, and we went to Bethany to the tomb of Lazarus. And right there in that little village, it's in the West Bank now, it's under Palestinian control. We went down into the tomb, very, very narrow passageway going down and then into the tomb itself. And that's the traditional tomb of Lazarus. Um, not many people go there anymore because of the just political difficulty of getting in and out, but we did. Yet, there's another place. According to the Eastern Orthodox Church, Lazarus was forced to flee Judea because of rumored plots on his life. He was witness, remember, with the rich man of Lazarus? Even if a man rose from the dead and came back, they wouldn't believe him. Well, Lazarus rose from the dead and he's back. Can you imagine? If Jesus shows up at the temple area, the southern steps where he taught, with a dead man walking, well, a whole lot of people would believe, you can be sure. So, the Eastern Orthodox tradition is that Lazarus fled Judea and went to live on Cyprus, the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean. We were on Cyprus about a year ago, and in Larnaca, the city of Larnaca, there we have another tomb of Lazarus. The story is that Lazarus went to Cyprus, and Barnabas, who was from Cyprus, and Paul, they appointed him the first bishop of what today is Larnaca, and he lived for 30 more years. And finally, when he did die, he was buried there on Cyprus. So I've seen both tombs of Lazarus, one at Larnaca on Cyprus and one in Bethany in near Jerusalem. But Lazarus, you know, there's no other mention of Lazarus, this Lazarus, brother of Mary and Martha, dying and being brought back by Jesus. It's only in the Gospel according to John. And I wonder why. That must have been a huge event. Why did not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Paul, or Barnabas, why didn't anyone mention it? Unless there really was a threat to his life and he had to get out of town and the early church just kept it quiet. Something to think about. But a great story. A great story. The rich man and Lazarus and the other Lazarus, brother of Mary and Martha, and very close friend of Jesus. Okay, thank you guys. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. So have a good uh, couple of days. I'll be right back with you. Bye-bye now. <music>